Hey mama, I am so excited for you to hear today's birth story from an amazing mama, Melissa, who shares her experience from birth trauma, postpartum depression, and loss to a beautiful and healing birth. After being told she couldn't receive an epidural for her birth, Melissa shares with us about how she prepared for labor and how she used education, preparation, and support to achieve a birth that she was proud of and empowered by. If you are wanting to have an empowering birth experience, education is so important, and I have an online childbirth education course built to birth that gives you the building blocks to build up your mind, body, and team for a healthier, happier, and easier birth. You can access this course through my website, builttobirth.com, which is linked in the show notes. If you are a mama who is looking for inspiration, healing, or insight in birth, you are going to love Melissa's story. So let's jump into her story right now. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Of course. I'm so excited to have you on here and that we all get to hear a little bit of your story. I know that you have some different experiences to share with us, but before we get started, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, so I'm Melissa, and I am 26 years old. Um, I've been married to my husband for four years. We just celebrated four years. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, before that, we dated and were engaged for a total of three years. We met in college, so we were college sweethearts. Um, and um, he's my best friend. Um <laughs> And we've been through a lot together, um, which mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for um, because he is definitely my rock and my best friend. And I'm very thankful to do this life with him. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, a two-year-old son, Roman. Um, we have a baby in heaven, Shalom. Mm-hmm. And then we just had our third um Trinity Lee. She was born on May 12th, so she will be officially one month tomorrow. Wow. Um, and we also have a German Shepherd named Anuska, who is definitely part of our family. <laughs> I love it. Wow. <laughs> well, sweet. I love it. Well, again, thank you for taking time with us. I know that having a one-month-old and a two-year-old, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be busy. My daughter's almost two. She'll be two in August. So wow. you've got your hands full. <laughs> yes, yes. It's definitely a lot busier than it was with one kid. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the transition from zero kids to one kid was harder or one kid to two kids was harder? So for me, trans. Transitioning to one kid was harder. Um, Mm. I had postpartum depression with my first, Mm. and um, so far I haven't had that this time around. And Mm. so um, that definitely, I think, made it a little bit harder to adjust. Um, And I also had some um, family dynamic stuff going on right after my son was born that made Mm. the transition harder. Um, And breastfeeding was hard with him. And just a lot of different variables that all together um, made it a harder transition. I don't think I left the house by myself with him until he was three months old. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. But but this time around, we've already we've already been on walks and mm. um, we've um, you know just driven around to get out of the house. It's a little bit yeah. different because we have the pandemic this time around. As far as we can't yeah. necessarily go anywhere or see anybody, but um, we have. Um, like for our anniversary, we went and just did a little walk, nature walk with the kids. And so that was nice to, to, to do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like right now that's every mom just trying to figure out something to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'm, you know, I feel like we've already heard snippets of your story. And so I can't wait to hear a little bit more about each of your stories. Um, but why don't we start with your first birth experience um, with your firstborn and share us a little bit, share with us a little bit about, um, you know, how you felt in your pregnancy as far as what kind of birth you were hoping for, how you prepared, um, you know, and then your birth experience. Why don't you share like some of the big points of that birth experience? Um, so honestly, with my first, I didn't prepare for birth. Um, okay. I My best friend had a baby three months before I did. So about the only preparation I did was I talked to her about, you know, how was it painful and yeah. how did it feel and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't work on breathing or watch any videos or really educate myself at all. So I went into it very naive um, with him and... Um, Labor was cool in the fact that my water broke on its own at home before contraction started. So I knew immediately, oh, it's time to go to the hospital because that, you know, my midwife had said, if your water breaks at home, give us a call and you'll probably come in right away. Um, But once we got to the hospital, it took a couple hours before my contractions really started. And at first they were fine. And I was around four centimeters um, Mm. when, when I got to the hospital, um, but once real active labor really started, I was totally unprepared and I completely mm. lost it mentally. Mm. And so the rest of my birth was really difficult because I didn't know how to cope with each contraction and each mm. contraction um, was scary. And so just my fear kept building and building. Mm. Um, and I have a birth defect called spina bifida occulta, which means I have a, a hole in my spine. Mm. Um, and, and with him, the anesthesiologist, um, was very hesitant to give me an epidural, but because I was not doing well mentally with the pain, um, they went ahead and gave me an epidural. And after I had the epidural, I was eight centimeters. Um, but then it took another 30 minutes to an hour to really kick in before I wasn't feeling any pain anymore. Mm. Um, and then I pushed for two hours, which was completely exhausting. Um, and after he was born, we did immediate skin to skin, which was amazing. And, Mm. um, my favorite part of his birth story is that, my husband and I were, you know, saying hi to him and talking to him and he looked up at both of us and I was like, Mm. Oh my goodness, he really does recognize our voices. Um, so that was my favorite part of his birth. Um, Mm. but I, uh, I tore really bad. Um, Mm. I had a third degree tear. And so once the epidural wore off and everything, um, the pain was of, you know, just the the pain afterwards was, um, very difficult and it took me a good eight weeks to recover from that, which also added, I think, to why transitioning from zero to one was the hardest for our family. Um, I just was not in a good place physically and not in a good place emotionally and mentally. So Mm. those factors all together just made it really hard to, to adjust, um, Mm. to being a new mom. And, um, so that's that's how it went with with our first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think I love what you are saying about how um mentally you lost it um and that the fear just kind of took over and was building because I think that that's so much of what birth is is 
is it's like that mind over matter and bringing our mental space to a place of like being calm and um, relaxing so that our physical reaction does the same. Um, right. and I feel like that's where so much preparation lies is in mm-hmm. like our mindset and not even so much our like physical condition. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's just super powerful, you know, for moms to hear like, oh, wow, you know, it's not like I have to go do a hundred pushups a day and right. do all these squats. And I don't have to, I don't have to do the, uh, you know, perineum massage. It's like a lot of it is mind over matter. And I think that's, I don't know, really powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think there are, we do know that there is a correlation between how a woman feels about her birth experience, um, and how she, how she feels about herself postpartum. And do you feel like you, um, that there was a relationship between those things when you were in that kind of season, season of postpartum and, you know, not being, um, you know, just being a little bit more emotionally like unstable, you know, not being yourself. Do you feel like that had correlation with your birth experience? It very well could have because, um, when I tell my most recent birth story, it's, it's just completely different. Um, Mm. and so that correlation would definitely make sense this time around, um, for Mm. sure. And, um, with my, with my firstborn, um, I had planned to have a midwife, um, but it so just so happened that the day I, I, my water broke, um, there were no midwives on call. Mm. And so I ended up having an OB and he was great. Um, but he, um, you know, he wasn't what I was expecting. And, um, that was definitely a shock. Um, Mm. and then of course, just because I didn't, I was just naive and I didn't prepare mentally, Mm. um, physically just labor was, honestly, it was traumatic for me. That's, that's kind of how, that's the word I, my brain describes it every time I remember, I remember my labor and delivery with, with my first, um, as it was traumatic. And, Mm. um, I honestly told my husband, um, I don't want to have any more kids because Mm. I can't, I can't go through this again. I can't feel like this again. Um, and it was, again, it was because just, I was unprepared mentally for the, for the pain and, um, I tore. And so, my mm. physical recovery afterwards was just a lot longer and it was more than I was expecting. And then I had yeah. the postpartum depression set in. Um, and I, I, I didn't have a history of depression prior to, mm. to my firstborn. And so that was just very, um, very shocking because I got into a place, um, that I've never been and it was really scary. Um, yeah. and I'm just very thankful for my husband because he, I told him how I was feeling and he knew exactly what to do. And he said, wow, we're tomorrow, we are calling your doctor and we are going to get you into counseling and we're going to take mm. care of you. Um, and his work was phenomenal too, as far as giving him time off so that he could, um, help me with all of that stuff. Um, and, um, I've been seeing that same counselor for two years now. So that's amazing. (laughs) You know, I feel like so many stories you hear people being so hesitant about seeing a counselor or a a psychiatrist or something. And then once they get started, they're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. I love this. And they just like, I don't want to ever stop. It's so it's just kind of funny. Like, (laughs) I feel like that's the general consensus amongst people who do counseling. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, it's scary at first and then they end up falling in love with it. For sure. And I think the key is finding a counselor that you really connect with. Because um, mm. if you if you don't connect with your counselor, the therapy isn't going to be as um, helpful. But yeah. um, I'm just super thankful because um, the Lord brought the perfect counselor into my life at the perfect mm. time. And I've been seeing her since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. Well, I'm sure that there are moms who are listening to this and who are going to either struggle with postpartum depression or maybe have struggled with postpartum depression or maybe are currently struggling, what's some like advice or encouragement you would give to them um, for being in that season? Mm -hmm. So I think the hardest part for me with the postpartum depression um, was I did have uh, suicidal ideation. So I didn't have suicidal Mm -hmm. thoughts, but I did think about how my husband and my son would be better off if I was no longer alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as I had that thought, I told my husband and that's Mm -hmm. when he sprung into action. And so I would tell moms that tell somebody, tell somebody who, you know, you trust and is going to love you no matter what you say and is going to get you the help that you need. Um, Reaching out for help is is so important. And yeah. um, because even though you're feeling that way, it doesn't mean that you don't love your baby. And that was mm. something that was really hard for me to admit to my friends um, because I didn't, at the time, I didn't have any friends who had ever experienced postpartum depression. Mm. So um, it was, it was hard for me because I just felt like people probably assume I don't love my son because I'm, mm. I'm having to go you know, I'm going through all of this, um, emotionally and mentally. Um, but I will tell mamas that I know that they love their babies and Mm -hmm. they are great mamas, even though they are having to, to deal with this struggle. And it is so important to reach out for help so that you can get the help you need so that you can help your baby and your baby is going to be so proud of you for getting that Mm -hmm. help and for, um, you know, tackling the postpartum depression head on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's okay if you need help too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know moms are going to be encouraged by what you have to say to them. So thank you for sharing about that really vulnerable and personal event, you know, that, that you went through. So thank you for sharing about that, Melissa. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I didn't pick to go through all of that, but if, if my story can help a mom who's going through a similar thing, I absolutely want to tell it um, mm. because I didn't have anybody to, to help me through it as far yeah. as another mom who had been through it. My husband was great, but. Yeah. Yeah. And that is hard because it, like any, like regardless, I feel like any mom who's stepping into motherhood for the first time feels a sense of isolation a lot of times, you know, because you're stuck at home with a newborn, you're trying to breastfeed, trying to figure out, you know, formula feeding or whatever. Like you're, you're just, there's so much newness and you feel like you're in it alone. And then to add on top of that, you know, going through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, or, you know, even the baby blues, which do, which are very different. Um, but it can feel, feel very isolating. And so, like I said, I know this is going to be super encouraging for moms, um, to hear, to ask for help and, uh, to accept the help and that they are good mamas. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be so sweet and encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your first birth experience. And I know that uh, between your firstborn and the baby who's one month old right now, you had, you did have a miscarriage. Do you want to share about that or? Yeah. 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 Um, Again, I, um, you know, I did not pick um, Mm. to have that experience, but it happened to me and I, I want to I want to share my story and Shalom's story so that other moms mm-hmm. who've been through something um, or even if they have a friend who, who went through it and they don't really know what to say, you know, yeah. just to try to be helpful. And um, But yeah, so uh, we decided uh, when, our, when Roman was a year old that we were going to start trying to have another baby. And mm-hmm. we got pregnant right away, which happened with Roman as well. So we were super excited. Um, I was super sick, um, very mm. nauseous. Um, I even vomited a little bit. And um, But we were super excited. And the day before my eight-week ultrasound, I just got this overwhelming feeling that something was wrong. Mm. And, you know, I was telling my husband about it. And he was like, well, like, have you had any bleeding? Do, are you having cramping? Like, why? Like, what's making you have that, that those thoughts do you think? And I, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm really nervous for the ultrasound tomorrow. And I just have a bad feeling that something's wrong. Mm. So going into the ultrasound, I was very anxious and sure enough, when they, when they were doing the ultrasound, um, my womb was empty. There was no baby Mm. to be seen. And, um, I knew right away because we had already had a kid, you know, um, that, the baby wasn't where the baby was supposed to be. Yeah. So, um, thankfully I didn't have an ectopic pregnancy. So the baby didn't implant where the baby wasn't supposed to implant. But what had happened was we, we had what is called a blighted ovum miscarriage, um, mm. which means that, um, we did conceive a child. However, um, the child passed away very early, very early on. Um, Mm. but my body didn't register that the child had passed away. And so my body was preparing, um, a womb for the child and that's, you know, preparing all the hormones and everything. And so that's Mm. why I still felt so sick. And, um, that's why the pregnancy tests were positive. Mm. Um, and it was just very, it was very confusing and it was very heartbreaking and I just couldn't believe that, that this was happening to us. Um, and I was so excited for Roman to be a big brother. Um, Mm. I, I'm the oldest of six and, um, four, four of us are very close in age. And so, Mm. you know, I'm from a big family and I want, I wanted Roman to have at least one sibling to play around and get into trouble with, you know, as he grows, um, and to have best friends as an adult, you know, siblings, um, I just would hope and pray that they would, you know, be best friends growing up and everything. So, um, I was just, I was just devastated Mm -hmm. and, um, my depression got bad again. That was a big Mm. trigger for my depression. And, um, so, but what we decided with, um, our doctor, we decided to go with the same doctor who delivered our son because, um, we needed an OB instead of a midwife. Um, and, um, we decided to, to give my body time to miscarry our baby naturally Mm. Um, however, the doctor explained to us that if the baby, um, you know, if my body didn't miscarry the child on its own within a couple weeks, that I would be at a, 
uh, risk of developing uh, cancer in my uterus. Um, I forget Mm -hmm. exactly what it's called. Um, So that was very scary. So not only had we heard that our baby didn't make it, um, but, you know, here's a a potential risk. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Here's a waiting game um, of seeing when when your body catches on to what happened. And also if it doesn't catch on in time, you have a risk of developing this cancer. Yeah. So, um, but we decided to wait. Um, we had an ultrasound again, I think it was a week and a half later and, um, you know, the baby still wasn't to be found, but they had said Mm -hmm. there was a very small chance that maybe I was just, um, really, um, a lot earlier than I had thought I was, but that was not the case. And honestly, I knew it in my heart, um, that that wasn't the case. Um, and so we decided that the next day they had an opening for a DNC procedure. And so we decided to, to go ahead and schedule the DNC, um, Mm. which is a surgery where they remove, um, you know, everything in your womb and the baby, um, after you have a miscarriage. So Mm. if your body isn't, miscarrying on its own or if it's just having trouble miscarrying on its own then they will do that procedure so that's what we decided to do um and I lost a liter of blood and so I had a huge complication (laughs) um from that procedure and so again the recovery was a lot more than than I thought it was going to be um I I couldn't drive, I believe, for a whole month, and um, I needed, honestly, to be watched <laughs> um, yeah. for for the first week because I I would I would get dizzy and I would pass out, and um, so not only did my son need to be taken care of, but I also mm-hmm. needed to be taken care of until my body started to to restore the blood that I had lost. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, and again, thank you for sharing that very vulnerable experience what were kind of how did you and your husband heal from from that experience and I'm sure there's still some healing Mm -hmm. that's going on but um yeah how did you guys kind of move on from that not that you move on but how what were your next steps after that point yes so um I did research on books for women who have miscarried and we are Christians. Um, and so i specifically wanted books that, that came from a biblical perspective. And so I found this wonderful book called, um, what was lost by, um, her last name is Barrett. And, um, it is, it's just a great book that Mm -hmm. talks about the very many different emotions that you experience, um, after having a miscarriage, sometimes one at a time, sometimes all at once, Mm -hmm. um, with anger and depression and sadness and grief and, Mm -hmm. um, disbelief and, you know, all of the different things. Um, and I just loved the way that she approached the topic because she did it from a biblical perspective, but she also had, um, did a ton of research as far as like psychological and medically mm-hmm. speaking, what happens with your body when, when you have a miscarriage. Um, and she also interviewed moms, other moms who had miscarried their children. And so just those three viewpoints combined just really, just really helped me, um, cope and get ideas Mm -hmm. of how to honor our child. Um, Mm -hmm. because that was, that was another thing we had to decide was, are we going to talk about 
this child that we didn't, mm. we didn't get to know. Um, are we going to, are we going to honor his or her memory um, publicly or are we going to try to keep it to ourselves? And mm. I told my husband that I wouldn't be true to myself if I never talked about um, our child publicly. And so we decided to give our child a name and mm. we named him or her Shalom Emery. Mm. And Shalom means peace and Emery means brave and powerful. Mm. And um, we... I made a shadow box of um, Shalom's ultrasound and Bible verses that I that just comforted my husband and I after after losing him and her. And we ordered mm. this beautiful hand sculptured ornament, um, of, and it's a little baby on a heart with mm. um, Shalom's name, and that is that is hanging up in our living room. Um, mm. And then I also ordered a watercolored painting of Jesus holding a baby, um, and we also have that hung in our living room. And um, just having Shalom's memory present where we spend a lot of our time has been very healing for me personally mm. because. I, you know, I'm acknowledging that experience and um, acknowledging that my baby, you know, I did have a baby, even though his or her life was very, very short in the womb, um, you know, and um, just a lot of prayer and going to church and you getting reconnected um, with friends and um, after I posted on my social media about our miscarriage, I had a couple of old teachers actually who reached out to me and um, shared their stories. Um, mm. And so that was very um, helpful. It made me feel like like I wasn't alone and I wasn't the yeah. only mama who was grieving this baby that I had no idea, you know, yeah. if, if the baby was even a boy or a girl. Um, yeah. And I also, we also spent time with family as much as we could that summer and um, just really tried to um, spend time with our son and to really enjoy him and the age that he was at. And um, it's, it's definitely, Shalom is a big part of, of our pregnancy with, with um, our baby that we just had and was a big Mm. part, honestly, of our birth story too. So yeah. just the just the opportunity to talk about shalom here has been very healing as well. Hmm. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's so important. I feel like for so many women who deal with, especially really early pregnancy loss, is that there's a part of uh, there's a part of them that wants to be like, well, nothing. Like it was so early, like why am I sad about this? Like, I wasn't even like, I shouldn't have even been been connected to this life. Like, you know, it, it just seems there's a part of you that wants to shut it away um, and not feel connected. But I think what's important to realize is that you are grieving a, a lifetime imagined with them, you know, that lifetime Absolutely. of possibility. And that's what you that's what you have lost and that's what you're having to grieve that even though it was early on, you loved them as much as when they are going to be a hundred as you do on that first day you see that pregnancy test. And so I think that's what's so hard because it's not like you've seen any physical changes. You don't have that belly yet. You know, you haven't, you know, it's not like 
it's not like you have that physical, tangible thing, mm-hmm. but you still have that deep connection. And that's why it is so challenging, but so important to honor that life like you did. And I think that's so special, all the ways that you found to to heal and to bring remembrance into that experience with, with your baby. Um, and so thank you for sharing that. And I think for any woman who does deal with miscarriage, finding ways to be educated and find healing in whatever way that looks like is so important and sharing that with, um, you know, loved ones and people who you trust and connect with, because otherwise it's again, a very isolating experience. If Mm -hmm. you don't share with people that very big life event. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And, you know, you said that you, that Shalom's life, um, deeply impacted your, birth experience with your your newest edition so I can't wait to hear it that that story why don't we hop into um yeah your experience finding out you were pregnant again I'm sure that was kind of an emotional roller coaster as well so why don't we start sure (laughs) Um, yeah so my husband um you know we we listened to my doctor's recommendation on when he thinks my body would be ready to start trying and he recommended to wait you know three cycles um once my body started having periods again um so that's what we did um however after my third cycle, I was just terrified. And I, Mm. I told my husband, I don't know if I can do this again. I am scared. I'm scared to try. I'm scared to, um, to give my body another chance to, Mm. to have a baby. Um, because honestly, the, one of the biggest things I struggled with after our miscarriage was that I just felt so betrayed by my own body, um, that my own body, you know, had the opportunity to care for this child and wanted to, but it just didn't happen. Um, and yeah. so I just honestly felt like I couldn't trust my body to, to have another baby. Um, so we had many discussions about living, um, not out of fear, but living, mm-hmm. living in faith. And, you know, my, my husband was like, do you want another child? And I was, of course I want another child. And he's like, well, then I think we should start trying. Mm-hmm. So we started trying and, um, Right before though, I, I had, I was doing the dishes and I, um, had this vision of, of two children playing in our yard and one was Roman and the other, um, I just knew that that child was our child. And, Mm -hmm. um, after that, I felt a lot of peace and I didn't feel as scared about trying. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, between talking to my husband and having that vision, I thought, okay, all right, I can't live in this fear. And, you know, yeah. so we started trying and we got pregnant right away again, um, mm. which I know we're very blessed to, to, to be able to do that. Um, mm. And so I didn't even tell my husband that I thought I was pregnant. I, um, I was kind of having the feeling as it got closer to when my cycle should have started. I was like, some, mm. I just feel like this might be it. Um, but I was afraid to tell him and I was afraid to get yeah. his hopes up that my, that I, I had a sus- like suspicion that we were pregnant. Yeah. And so I woke up one morning and I took the test and I didn't even look at it. I went back to bed after I took the test and I just kept it in the bathroom and um, didn't look at it until I woke up for the day. Um, Cause on the weekends, my husband lets me sleep in. So he, he wakes yeah. up with, um, with Roman so I can sleep in. 
And so when I finally got up for the day, I went into the bathroom and I looked at the tests and it said positive. And so I brought it out on a washcloth into our living room where my husband was playing with our son. And I said, honey, I need you to look at this. And he was very confused. Like, why are you bringing a washcloth to the living room? And he looked at it and he went, is that what I think it is? And I was like, yes. And he's like, you didn't even tell me you were going to take a test. I said, I know. So he was, he was ecstatic and I was excited, but I was also very nervous and very, um, very hesitant to get too excited and too attached. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took, I took one more a couple days later and it came back positive. And so I went ahead and, you know, scheduled the appointment and everything. And, um, going into that ultrasound again was, was very Mm -hmm. nerve wracking, but I didn't have, I didn't have a bad feeling. It was just, I don't, I don't want the same thing to happen again. Yeah. Um, but thankfully the the baby looked beautiful. The baby was exactly where she was supposed to be and she had a strong Mm -hmm. heartbeat and everything like that. Um, so, but because we had lost Shalom and I was, I was so devastated by that. Um, I honestly don't think it really set in my brain that we were truly going to have another baby until my third trimester. Um, and until, um, you know, we had multiple ultrasounds at that point and the baby was mm-hmm. healthy every time. And we had multiple yeah. appointments where we heard the baby's heartbeat. And, um, um, when I could start feeling her move, um, definitely helped calm some mm-hmm. of those, those fears because now I was like, okay, I have a way that I myself can monitor. Yeah. That she's okay. I don't have to wait a couple weeks in between finding out if she's still mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so feeling her move, um, brought me a lot of comfort. Um, but again, it wasn't really until I was in my third trimester before I was like, okay, this is really happening. We're going to have a second child. Um, Mm. so. Wow. So at that third trimester mark, was that when you, you started thinking more about your birth experience or were you thinking about it a little bit beforehand or kind of walk us through that? So a little bit of both, um, because I, I did not enjoy Roman's birth and then obviously Mm -hmm. having a miscarriage, um, people, I didn't think about it as a form of birth until it actually happened to me, but, um, miscarriage is a form of birth. And so my first two births were not, were not how I had wanted them to be. And so, um, my, I was thought, okay, I need to do something different because, it didn't, it definitely didn't work with Roman just going in there, winging it. Um, and I actually switched providers in the middle of my pregnancy this time around. And so, um, they, um, they had a completely different protocol for handling my spina bifida occulta. And Mm -hmm. so, um, they had told me I needed to have an anesthesia consult just to make sure they said, you know, you had one with your first, so I'm sure it'll be fine. So I have my anesthesia consult and, um, they asked for x-rays of my spine. And so I said, I don't have any x-rays of my adult spine, um, but I will reach out to my parents. And well, my parents don't have any x-rays even from when I was diagnosed originally as a child. Wow. So the anesthesia consult, um, said, okay, well, without x-rays, 
we're not going to authorize an epidural. And mm. obviously you can't get x-rays right now because you're pregnant. So yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, not only am I going to go through birth again, but I can't have an epidural this time. Yeah. And I was like, I really need to prepare for this mm. birth. Yeah. So um, I reached out to to all my friends who've had babies and I asked them, if they've ever had an unmedicated birth and what they did mm-hmm. and what helped them. And, um, some of them gave me some tips from like am- Amber jewelry to, you know, different positions and stuff like that. Um, and I also did research on essential oils and I found you and your videos on YouTube <laughs> and I watched a ton of them and just really educated myself on what a contraction is, why it's painful, mm. um, different ways to measure progress with birth. Um, I loved your um, letting go of fear meditation mm. um, videos and my husband um enjoyed the, you know, how to be a supportive birth partner. And um, (laughs) we would just watch so many of your videos and really educated ourselves on, okay, we've been through this before, but we're really going to, we're really going to get a hold of this. And we Mm. um, are going to get in the mindset that we can do this without an epidural. And um, I also asked all of our friends and family to pray that my labor would be really quick and that I would be able to do it without medication. Um, Because shortly after I found out I couldn't have the epidural is when the COVID-19 pandemic started. And so then the hospital changed their policies and were no longer offering laughing gas to laboring women. And so Mm. my pain medication option was narrowed down to one IV pain medication, fentanyl. Yeah. And um, I had tried a pain, an IV pain medication, stayed all with, with Roman, and I did not like it. And so mm. I th- just was like, you know what? If I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way. And yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and I'm going to prepare that I can do this <laughs> completely without medication. That way, you know, I don't even have to see if the IV medication helps or not because if it doesn't, mm there's no more options. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I also have an aunt who is a labor and delivery nurse. And so I called and talked to her too about, um, you know, my experience with Roman and, um, Mm. you know, how she thought I could, I could prepare. Um, and I just followed her advice about educating myself, Mm. um, and breathing techniques. That was Mm. another video that I watched of yours over and over is the, is the different breathing techniques. And, um, My husband and I, uh, like the last month of my pregnancy, we were going on a walk almost every day with Roman and Mm -hmm. we live in a very hilly part of Virginia. And so our, you know, our walks, lots of hills. (laughs) So, um, I would practice my breathing going up those hills. You go girl. My husband was like, you're doing great and stuff. And, um, you know, he helped me practice. He would name a breathing technique and then I would, you know, (laughs) do it. That's a great idea for practicing. I love it. Um, and it was really cute too, because Roman, would you know he would practice with us yes. <laughs> that's so cute oh my gosh that's amazing yeah so um and I I packed like a separate little essential oil labor bag um with all of the essential oils I wanted to use during labor and which essential oils did you pack 
Oh, I packed a ton. I packed frankincense and lavender and peace and calming and valor and clary sage (laughs) Um, and geranium. Um, So Mm. I packed a ton um, and I wrote down for my husband um, all the oils and color coded and gave him directions about, okay, this is the, this is the oil I might want to use in this situation. And this is how you apply it and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, and we went over it beforehand so that he, you know, wouldn't be flustered in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so that's how we prepared this time. (laughs) So a lot more preparation for this experience than for your first. So with that preparation that you had, share with us like the big parts of your birth, your newest birth story. Yes. So, um, about a week before my due date, um, I, I woke up in the middle of the night with, um, cramping and, um, you know, I didn't want to get too excited because I was late with my first. And so I kind of just assumed I'd be late this time around. Um, try to go back to sleep couldn't for a whole hour and at that point I woke my husband up and was like hey I need you to time contractions for me so he did and after another hour we decided to go ahead and call our babysitter to come over and we called the hospital and everything and the hospital said well with COVID why don't you give your body another hour and if you're still having um you know this cramping contraction feeling um that are getting closer together like go ahead and come on in well, sure enough, mm-hmm. shortly after our babysitter got here, the contraction stopped <laughs> completely. Oh, no. <laughs> completely. Oh. And so I was so embarrassed and so angry. <laughs> like, oh, I thought man. this was happening. I was ready. Like, yeah. mentally, I was ready. Um, so I had, I had some false labor about a week before <laughs> my due date. Well, my due date comes around and, you know, no sign of her coming anytime soon. Um, so at my 40 week appointment, um, I was three centimeters. And so the midwife was like, your body's thinking about going into labor. So I'm going to strip your membranes for you. And 50% of moms go into labor within 48 hours of this. Mm-hmm. And so I was super excited because like, honey, we're having a baby in the next couple days. Yeah. Well, she didn't come. <laughs> so oh, we, no. start, we started um, doing, you know, natural stuff at home to try to jumpstart labor. We watched that video of yours. <laughs> um, and um, I was just really hoping that I wouldn't make it to 41 weeks because they had said um, if I do make it to 41 weeks, we'd have to do a non-stress test and an ultrasound mm. and think about induction. Mm. Um, and I've had a couple of friends who have been induced and, um, that was definitely a scary concept for me to mm. think about, um, mm. is being induced. Well, my 41 week <laughs> mark came along and she oh, wasn't no. here. <laughs> so I went in and got all that testing done. And that time I was, um, four centimeters oh, my and, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the midwife said, you know, your body really is ready. Um, so it, it might just need some help getting started. So she said, Mm. how does tomorrow work for you to have come in and have a baby? I said, okay, but does that mean, you know, I'm being induced? And she said, yes, if your baby doesn't come, if your if your body doesn't start, um, labor before tomorrow morning, you'll be induced. She said, however, I think your body's favorable enough that I'd be willing to break your water first Mm. and give your body 
an hour after that to try to catch up that, hey, it's time to have this baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if that doesn't work, well, then we'll start talking about using Pitocin. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So this time I got in the car and told my husband, we're actually truly having a baby either today or tomorrow. <laughs> um, so uh, we kind of just took the day to to really, you know, spend time with Roman. Um, our last day is a family of three and, um, you know, make sure we had everything packed and everything. And going to bed that night was like, okay, am I going to wake up in the middle of the night or are we going to wake up early in the morning to go into the hospital? Um, so, um, we had to go into the hospital. (laughs) 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 Um, so we got there around 745 and started check-in. Um, and finally, because of COVID and everything, I had to be tested for COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, that took about an hour to get my results back. And until then, I had to wear a mask, um, which Mm -hmm. was a little bit of a surprise. I had thought that um, they weren't making laboring moms wear a mask. Um, So I was a little bit caught off guard um, when they said, no, you have to wear a mask until your test comes back. Um, but thankfully, my test came back negative, and so mm-hmm. I could I could take my mask off. And I'm very thankful for that because I was getting pretty anxious. Um, yeah. That that first that first like it was an hour two hours because they didn't do the test right away. Mm. Um, they they started the check in process before they actually tested me. So mm-hmm. um, I was getting pretty anxious, and so I had my husband apply the first round of oils and nice. <laughs> um, everything like that. So. Um, but then finally my test came back. And so then they're like, all right, let's start thinking about actually getting this induction going. And they mm. put in my IV and, um, we do the cord blood banking. So they had to draw blood and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so finally around nine fifty in the morning, um, the midwife came in and checked me and broke my water. And I was five centimeters at that point. Wow. Um, <laughs> And I had felt a few contractions, but nothing like, oh, this is it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. So um, she broke my water and she told me, you know, I'll give you an hour and we'll see, we'll reevaluate then. Um, mm-hmm. So my husband and I, I had to be on the monitors um, for the baby's heartbeat for 20 minutes out of every hour um, yeah. because I was induced. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that first 20 minutes we got up and we we walked around the ward um we we did have to wear masks out in the hallway but um it was okay and um my contractions started on their own after my water broke so um within that first hour they were starting to to get you know like my body my body's not messing around exactly So by the end of our walk, um, cause I believe we walked for 40 minutes. I told my husband, wow. I said, um, we need to stay in the room cause they're starting mm. to get pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be, I don't want to be out in the hallway and I don't want to have the mask on anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I got hooked up to the monitors again, um, for 20 minutes and that was difficult because I was having contractions and yeah. it was hard to get in a comfortable position with all the wires and everything yeah. on me. Um, but my most, for that part of my labor, what was most comfortable was swaying with my husband. Mm. And, um, 
did a couple squats and stuff like that. And I, I buried my head in his chest mm. and sometimes I'd squeeze his neck. Um, but then also before, uh, before late, before my water broke and labor started, um, my husband had went ahead and put on the delivery labor and delivery playlist I had made and also started diffusing, um, frankincense and lavender. So mm. we had the room, you know, set up with that stuff as well. Um, so after, after that, I tried the rocking chair, which I didn't try with Roman and that, mm. that felt good. Surprisingly at first I was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. This seems kind of silly, but, um, it felt really good. And that is mm. when I got into the zone. Um, mm. And my contractions were getting closer together and they were still strong. And I felt very weak in my arms and legs, which was very, mm. it was a very odd sensation, you know, um, mm. trying, like I wanted to be standing because that felt the best, but then I felt so weak. Um, yeah. Um, so that was very odd, but that's when the midwife suggested the rocking chair. And so that's mm. what I did. And she brought me some peanut butter crackers and ginger ale to kind of, um, give myself some sustenance and she drew up the jacuzzi bath for me um, while I kind of just enjoyed the rocking chair for a little bit and took a little breather. Yeah. Um, and I got in the zone. So that's kind of when I stopped um, being verbal um, mm. with my husband, you know, very like one word kind of answers and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um and peanut butter crackers and ginger ale have never tasted so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I believe um, it. <laughs> so um, after after a little bit of time in the rocking chair, I got in the bath after it was ready. And we couldn't figure out how to do the jets, the jacuzzi jets. The midwife mm-hmm. had already um, left. <laughs> so oh, no. um, I just I just sat in the in the in the warm water in the jacuzzi mm. tub and held my husband's hand. He sat on, he sat on the outside of the tub. So he wasn't in the tub yeah. with me. Um, but he sat on the outside and held my hand and he would breathe through the contractions with mm. me. And, um, he was telling me I was doing a good job. And, um, once I was in the tub, that's when I really started to try to like imagine myself like in other places and just try mm. to ride each contraction. Mm. Um, and so it helped focusing on some of the lyrics of the songs that were playing in the background. It helped to focus on my husband's breathing when he mm. was breathing with me. Um, it helped to think, to envision um, Trinity Lee being born and finally holding a child in mm. my arms after everything that had yeah. happened um, with our family. And so, but, um, after the first 20 minutes, the labor and delivery nurse came in and checked on us and she was like, why aren't the jacuzzi jets on? And we we're like, going to figure them out. And so she turned the jets on for us. So, um, <laughs> I had another 20 minutes in the tub with the jets. Okay. Um, and that felt amazing, but that was also the, the hardest part of my labor, um, was mm. those 20 minutes because mm. they, my contractions quickly went from, being really, really strong and a little bit, um, apart to very, very strong and very close together. And, um, there were a few contractions where I was starting to kind of like not scream, but just kind of like moan and like Mm -hmm. kind of thrash around because I just, you know, was not doing the best job of breathing through those ones. And my husband would just very gently, you know, Mm. remind me to breathe and that I was doing great and that, um, our baby girl was almost here and, yeah. um, 
So that helped. His encouragement helped a lot. Um, And squeezing his hand a ton. (laughs) (laughs) And towards the end, not only would I squeeze his hand, but I'd like squeeze it and like shake it. Like (laughs) (laughs) whatever you got to do. Yes. So, um, so they had told us that when the jets went off, it was time to go back on the monitors. Well, I was, you know, my contractions were very, very strong and very close together. And I was like, Mm -hmm. there's no way I can just like sit or lay for 20 minutes on the monitors. I said, so honey, I think I need, I need the IV medication. Of course I didn't Mm -hmm. use that many words because I was in the zone, but like, I need pain medication. (laughs) And so my husband was like, okay, I, I can ask when they come back. And I, uh, there was a few contractions where I was saying, this needs to be over. This needs to be over. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would say, it's almost over. You're doing great. Well, when the jets, <laughs> when the jets turned off, I almost started crying. Cause I was like, no, I have to get out of the bath. The bath feels so good. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so the, you know, the nurse, my husband helped me out of the tub and I was just in, you know, a lot of pain, but mm. I wasn't, I still had it together mentally, which definitely mm. helped because the few mm. contractions where I was starting to lose it mentally, those hurt worse. Mm. Whereas, yeah. you know, even though the other contractions, you know, were unpleasant, it was, yeah. it was more doable when I was breathing through them and I was imagining the different things when I was focusing on the different things. Yeah. Um, uh, so getting out of the tub was not, very fun. And the nurse was like, do you feel like you need to push? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what feeling like I need to push feels like because yeah. I didn't feel that with my first. Yeah. I The epidural had already kicked in at that point. Mm-hmm. So she was like, well, let's get you on the bed and um, the midwife will check you. And um, so that's what, that's what we did. And I was so afraid that that she was going to check me and say, Oh, you're six or seven centimeters. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was so afraid because that had happened yeah. a couple of times with Roman, um, mm. where my contractions are very strong and very painful, but they checked me and I was either the same or had only, you know, opened up one more centimeter or something like that. Yeah. So I had that in the back of my mind and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but she, she checked me and my midwife was phenomenal. She's just like so soft spoken and calm. And, um, she was like, Melissa, you are at 10 centimeters and you're Aww. ready to push, honey. You did wow. it. You did it. And so, Aww. um, I was just like shocked. And, yeah. um, my husband, started crying. He's like, I'm so Mm. proud of you. This is it. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I pushed for about 15 minutes and then she was born and she was, she was on my chest and we were doing skin Mm. to skin. And, um, you know, I had no idea what time it was or how long, how long it had been, but it had been just under three hours from when, uh, my midwife broke my water and I was holding her in my arms. So Um, quick. Wow. Yes. Yes. So it was, it was such what you were hoping for. (laughs) Exactly. It was such Mm. an answer to prayer that, um, she came so quickly and that I was able to do it unmedicated because even though I got to that point where I was requesting the pain medication, Mm. my body was already to the point where it was, you know, too late. It was time to push, you know? And And honestly, that's when every mom asks for medication. Like I was, even for me, like I was so adamant about like not having medication. And I got to a point in transition, like you, like you were in transition or about to push. 
And even I was like, ah, maybe I need medication. <laughs> so like every mom gets to that point where you're just like, yes. can I keep doing this? Because I don't think I can. Right. Exactly. So that's amazing that you were able to accomplish that. And how was your experience postpartum, you know, after having that experience? Yeah. So, um, well, I guess you are postpartum now. So yes. how are you experiencing <laughs> postpartum life right now? Just really quickly. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's been just night and day, honestly. Mm. I have been so like just like filled with pure joy, honestly. Mm. Um, and I've enjoyed the newborn stage, even though it's hard, you know, yeah. don't get a lot of sleep. Um, baby cries, you know, you're still trying to figure out how they're communicating, what their cries mean and stuff, but I've just really enjoyed it. And I've been really thankful for the late night snuggles and, Mm. um, you know, just been really trying to enjoy feeding her so often and, um, you know, her wanting to be close to me and wanting to be held. Um, and so it was really cool, um, in the hospital even, um, after she was born, cause I was up and walking around within two, three hours after having her and yeah. I was fully alert. And, you know, my husband and I, um, she was born at 1242 in the afternoon. So we had the rest of the day to kind of, um, yeah. you know, reflect and enjoy mm-hmm. each other and call family and all of that stuff. Um, Whereas after I had Roman, I passed out because I was <laughs> I was exhausted yeah. um, from pushing yeah. for two hours. Um, so I I was I was checked out um, with him for the first couple hours. Um, mm. As far as I just I slept because I my body had been through so much. Um, but even though my body you know had just given birth, um, I was alert and just yeah. super excited. And um, the I know some of some of the moms you've already interviewed have said it, um, for themselves too, but my husband and I just, we really, we really reconnected, um, after Mm. a hard, busy season of our life after, you know, becoming parents and having a miscarriage and my job, Mm. my husband has very demanding jobs. And so after, um, after all of that, um, labor and delivery just brought us together Mm. and just reconnected us in a way that is just, it's hard to even express with words because it's just so Mm. special and so intimate. Um, and you know, we've already thought of not truly thinking about having more kids, but you know, we've talked about it and the concept isn't as scary as it was after Roman Mm. and after Shalom because, Mm. um, postpartum has been a lot smoother. Um, I did tear again, but my recovery has been, um, it hasn't been as painful. Like I said Mm. earlier, we've already been on walks. Um, Mm. and, um, I knew, I kind of knew what to expect. So also wasn't such a shock, um, with, with the postpartum care of my physical body, um, and emotionally just giving birth, um, honestly has, has lifted me from, from depression, at least for, for for right now. Um, and because even during my pregnancy, I had, I, I went through a lot of, uh, I call them little pits of depression. Mm. Um, and so, um, it's just, it's just been truly amazing. And just God has answered so many of our prayers and has been so faithful in, in how 
everything lined up between childcare and having her and Mm. despite COVID and despite my previous experiences, um, it's just been, it's just been truly night and day. And yes, it's overwhelming to take care of two kids who are two and a newborn. Um, but it's, it's the kind of overwhelming that I know is going to end. It's not Mm. the kind that feels like we'll be here forever, if that makes sense. Um, and, and again, I've just, I've just really enjoyed a lot of aspects of caring for a newborn that just, mm. I didn't with, with my first because of, mm. because of my emotional state. Um, yeah. and so I'm just, I'm just so thankful. Mm. Well, it sounds like your most recent birth experience was very healing, um, and brought a lot of joy. And I think that you know, that every birth experience has the potential to do that. Um, And I think people hearing your story is going to really inspire them to prepare and trust the process and trust their body and their baby and, you know, their partner. And so I, I just think it's a very inspirational story hearing very different experiences with each baby and just seeing your joy now. And it just shows how impactful birth experiences are. So thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing all of your stories with us. Um, Before we end our our call, um, what's one thing that you would share with mamas um, in general, not necessarily about one thing, but what's one, one thing that if you could tell every single mama, what would it be? Um, that it is possible to have a positive birth experience, even Mm -hmm. if, um, even if your previous experiences have made you believe otherwise. Um, and like, I love how you said that it's been healing because that's the perfect Mm -hmm. way to describe, um, having our baby girl. It just Mm -hmm. going in prepared. Um, it really was healing. And, um, I'm just, I'm just so thankful because, the whole process um, has been different from previous and um, it's just been, it's been joyful. And I never mm-hmm. thought that I would ever describe, you know, childbearing as mm-hmm. joyful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And again, thank you. I know I've said that a hundred times, but seriously, thank you for sharing each of your experiences with us. They are so powerful and keep enjoying this newborn stage and you are an inspiration. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule with a two-year-old and a newborn (laughs) to share with us. So best of luck, mom. And I'm so glad that we've connected and I'll be looking out for you in the future and hopefully we'll stay connected. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Of course. Bye, Melissa. Bye. Mama, you are already the best mama for your baby and deserve such high praise, whether you're still awaiting your birth or you're chasing little ones around already. I hope Melissa's story of overcoming trauma and fear to experience joy and healing makes you excited to experience a positive birth. Birth is such an impactful and transformative experience and being educated about it can mean the difference between a positive or negative impact. Again, if you want to be equipped and empowered through education, check out the Built to Birth online childbirth course so that you can have a happier, healthier, and easier birth experience. Mama, you are built to grow, birth, and nourish your baby, and no one can do it better than you. So thanks for being with me in this one, and I'll see you in the next one.